so you can sign up for that. All right, ladies, I am very excited about our guest speaker this morning. She flew in from Minneapolis, and believe it or not, their weather was worse than our weather. I'm sure she'll tell you about it. Her flight was delayed because they were in a blizzard. So you only brought a little of that with you, I guess. Okay, good. But Karen uh, Hagen um, is from Minneapolis, but they've lived there for two years where her husband, Scott, is uh, the president of North Central University. But uh, Karen travels extensively and speaks um, not just to women's groups, I understand, because she's just got uh, an amazing gift of communication. Um, they've been married for 38 years, and many of you may say, I know that name. Yes, um, she and her husband, Scott, pastored Grand Rapids first from 2000 to 2005. And so she, she kind of feels like she comes home to visit family and friends. But we're very, very pleased to have her this morning. Help me welcome Karen Hagan. Good morning. Am I on? This is very tall. <laughs> yeah, I wore my flats, so... Um, it's great to be back here. I was here a couple years ago and in this very place for this session, this uh, Bible study. And so just being able to come back here and be with you ladies again, I do feel like it's home. Um, uh, one of my homes. I have a home in California, home in Grand Rapids, and now a home in Minnesota. So we've been in Minnesota for the last two years, and yes, it is blizzarding again for the second year. I've only been in Minnesota for two years, and both years in April, we've had a blizzard. And like last week, it was 60 degrees. Was it warm here? We were in our, you know, short, well, my husband was, I wasn't, but my, in, in shorts and walking outside, and it was gorgeous. And yesterday, I was literally, I think I waited five hours in the airport. And got on the, on the airplane, because I got there early because of the snow was coming, you know, so you got to prepare. Then I wait in the airport for five hours. Then we finally get on the plane. And then we wait an hour, don't even move. And then we, so we finally move. You know, has anybody ever been delayed on a plane? Yeah. So you're like this, it's so exciting when you start to move. <laughs> and so you, we move, and I felt like we traveled so far on the runway. I felt like I was, are we just going to drive there? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> And we go all out somewhere, and then another hour to an hour and a half to de-ice the plane. And I'm like, holy smokes. And so finally, we get up in the air. You know, it takes like 12 minutes to get here. So I waited six hours to fly 12 minutes to get here. So, But thank the Lord, I made it out of Minneapolis, and I'm going back from here. I'm going to California, so I'm not going to even see that snow. In fact, this year... I have missed every snow dumping in Minnesota because of my travel, and it's just been glorious. In fact, the, the VPs at the, at the school are saying, Karen, show us your schedule next year because we want to know when to travel and when go, to go on vacation because you seem to have the travel anointing of leaving in the, at the right time. So, um, but yeah, it's great to be here. Did, you, did we get the pictures of my... Okay. Um, I wasn't going to do it this morning, but um, I realized I had more time than, than uh, I thought. So I want to introduce to you my family. This is my family. We've grown a little bit since we've been in Minneapolis, or since we've been away from Grand Rapids. Um, that tall, good-looking guy with the dog in the middle, that's my husband, Scott, my dad next to him. Uh, but we have four kids. So my daughter, Jocelyn, is right here in the front, and that's her little girl, Olivia. 
and um, her husband is not in the picture. They have lived in Brazil for the last seven years because she married a man from Brazil. My husband jokes that when your sons get married, it's like an addition to the family, but when your daughter gets married, it's like an abduction. And it, does anybody understand what I'm talking about? And he literally abducted her and took her to Brazil. So they've been living in Brazil for this. So he's not in the picture because he was there. Their pastor's there. But they are moving back to, the, to America next month. So I get to... And she just had another baby, which I'll show you in a minute. Um, and so I'm, they've got two little girls. And so that's Jocelyn. Then Tyler over here on the left and his wife, Nicole. And that's their little girl, Gemma. And I am holding their son, Elias, who is... My greatest point of intercession in my life right now, because first of all, he's just like my son Tyler. So it's like, how many know what goes around comes around, and sometimes it is so much fun to watch. But at the same time, Elias, who just turned three in November, he decided that he was going to get up right after his third birthday, get up on the on the um, countertop in the kitchen, and he grabbed three little magnets. Um, off of the refrigerator, they, and they were like just little guys, little square, real powerful magnets, and swallowed them, all three of them, and because he thought they were candy, or I think he might have thought they were grandma's mints, because I have those little Altoid mints, and he loves to have those mints, so I think that's what he thought they were, but um, so he, uh, he was complaining about a stomach ache, and what happened was um, he, the, the magnets, you know, if you swallow a magnet, it can go through your system and end up. Well, these three they went through his intestines and they met at the middle and found each other and um, literally tore holes in his intestines. One got into his colon, tore a hole in his colon. He had to go into emergency surgery and they had to lay everything out and you know get everything uh, put back together. It was just the most traumatic experience of our lives because he was our he's our first grandchild and. Um, and so he, the Lord, you know, kept him. The Lord healed him. He's all back to normal, and he comes home about 10 days later. And literally within three days, he had already snuck into the bathroom and swallowed one of his mother's birth control pills. So <laughs> this grandma has a 24-7 job to keep this child alive to see God's destiny happen in his life because we obviously know that kind of a child is going to go far in, in the kingdom of God, right? So he's, he's a delight. He's just a sheer delight. And um, so that's my oldest son. They just uh, moved to Oakland. They are planting the first Assemblies of God Church, first Pentecostal church in Oakland in 40 years. Wow. And so be praying for them because God is doing great things in their lives already. Then my next son um, uh, over on this side is Spencer. He's our youngest. And his wife, Brianna, and that's their little um, Spencer Jr. And they just had another little boy named Emerson. And uh, they are in Sacramento with us. He's an FCA director, so he um, works for Fellowship of Christian Athletes and works in the school systems there. And then Kramer down here at the front, he's my middle son. And he just married Becky last year, and they have an incredible story. Uh, Becky is uh, one of the most uh, sought-after pro-life speakers in the nation right now. And she, her story is that she had Eli, the, the oldest little boy, um, at 16, and she was a single mom, and uh, she got pregnant again about a year later. With but she was in an abusive relationship, and she did not want to have another child, so she took the RU46 pill to abort the child, and realized what she had done. Freaked out, did some research really fast. This is a quick story. Found the found a doctor that that um, was working on experimental drug, and she. Um, went through the process, and she became the first, the third in the nation 
uh, to have a successful abortion reversal. And so now we have little Zaki. And so they've been married for um, just over a year. And we've adopted those two little guys into our lives. And uh, they are doing phenomenal. She speaks all over the nation. She testifies before legislature and Congress. She's met Mike Pence. She's, um, she, she is just a millennial's nightmare because she is not afraid to say anything about pro-life, about God, about... We just love her. She's just the best. And um, she's now pregnant with um, our ninth grandchild. So three years and two months ago, we had no grandchildren. And so how many know, we went from chaos or from, from nothing, boring Christmases to absolute chaos. And so there's, um, let's see, what, this would be six of my grandchildren. So then the next picture are my two newest little guys, well, girl and guy. That's Tessa, my daughter's little girl. And she was born February um, 16th. Emerson was born February 9th. So within a week, I went to eight. And now by June, in June, where'd she go? Where's the, the pregnant worship leader? About the same time, I'll be have, she'll, you'll be having your ninth, right? And I'll be having my ninth. So then I just said, you know what, everybody, can we just chill? Let's just not, let's just... Nine is good, you know? Let's just, can we get used to this, you know? So we're, we're really blessed. Um, we're really blessed. Grandma Hood is the best. My grandma name is Gaga. I am Gaga. And um, it is just the best. I love it. So tonight, today I want to talk to you, first, um, before I actually get started, I want to talk to you about sustainability. If you can put that first slide up. Um, sustainability is something that I believe that the Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit uh, for this season. Because how many know the world is not getting any better and society is not getting any easier? It's getting more difficult. It's getting more chaotic, more crazy. And we have to, in, um, in our desperation to find God in every situation, we have to, I believe, at a higher level now, develop a, a deeper level of sustainability so that we are able to deal with anything and everything that comes our way. Because how many know that the world does not have the answer? We have the answer. And so you know what, ladies? We have to act like we have the answer. Yes. So when we go through our circumstances, it is not the right thing to do to fall apart because we have the answer. And God has given us every single thing we need, the Bible says, for life and godliness. We have every tool we have every weapon that we need to be able to sustain ourselves through difficult times, right? So before I give you this scripture that I felt the Lord dropped in my heart this morning, I want to show you what sustainability looks like. So this next picture, this is Elias. Again, my little um, go-getter. That's my son, Tyler. And he is, this is his first game, for uh, baseball game. And they're A's fans because they live in Oakland, so now they're not Giants fans anymore. They're A's fans. And um, so he was so excited. Grandpa bought the tickets because he wanted to make sure that Elias gets on the right track for, for baseball. And so he got the tickets for that first game, and 
Um, it was opening day. Elias was so excited. He had no idea what, what was going to happen. He, yeah. He'd never been to a baseball game. But he was going to baseball, and there was going to be ice cream, and they were going to have hot dogs, and it was going to be a great day. And he, it was like nine more sleeps until we get to the baseball game. I'm so excited. I'm going to the baseball. Grandma, I'm going to go to the baseball. And he got his new hat. He got his jersey. He had his mitt on his hand. He was so hyped up. And this picture is the first inning of the game. So excited, so ramped up on a sugar high. By the fourth inning, this is what he looked like. Fourth inning. And I think by the sixth inning, he probably was already asleep. How many know it's super easy... We can go on retreats, we can be a part of Bible study, and we can go up on that high. But if we cannot sustain, not that we live on a high, but if we cannot sustain, if we're going to drop like, a, um, like a, a rock after we go to that high, we're not going to be able to move forward in our, Christian, in our Christian life. And so this is a scripture that uh, the Lord revealed or just highlighted to me again this morning. It's one of my favorite um, chapters it's psalms 84 and the the part of it that i want to bring out before i get started is this the bible says in starting in verse five it says blessed are those whose strength is in you whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of baca which is the valley of weeping or the valley of grieving or the valley of difficulty or the valley of any circumstance that is difficult in our lives they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains come and cover it with pools so that they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. What does that mean? When, they, when the people used to go to the temple, they used to make the trek, the annual trek, uh, to the temple to worship the Lord, to present their sacrifices, what they would do is they went through this valley of Baca, which was a very desolate valley, and um, what they would do is they would go through, and as they went through the valley to get to the offering, to get to the place of worship, they would dig holes in the sand all the way through. They would dig holes so that, that as they went behind them, there would be these empty holes. And when the, when the rains would come, it would fill up the holes so that when they had on the way back, when it was desolate and dry, they would have these springs, they would have these puddles of water to be able to refresh themselves. So if you think about that as a picture of how we are to live our lives, as we go through life on a consistent basis, we need to be digging those wells or digging those holes and filling it up as we spend time in his presence, as we read the word, as we meditate, as we listen to the podcasts or the sermons or prayer and intercession, we are digging those holes and we are filling them with the water and the springs of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So that when we go through the difficult times, ladies, we are not left weak. The Bible says we will go from strength to strength because there is nourishment, which is what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Nourishment all the way through in the valley of Baca, the valley of, of difficulty, the valley of, of weeping. Amen? So um, I just wanted to leave that with you um, before we got started. But this word sustainability means this. It's the method of harvesting or using a source so that the resource is not depleted or permanently damaged. So it's using this resource, an ongoing resource, an ongoing source in our life, so that it, we never get depleted. I really believe that God has 
created it so that we do not have to become depleted. But we have to learn how to walk in sustainability um, in our lives. Listen, um, Satan's biggest fear is that you, for you to become um, what God created you to be. This is why he has tried everything to do to make you lose focus. That's the enemy's biggest fear. He doesn't want you to know who you are. He doesn't want you to understand what you have. He doesn't want you to know about the tools that God has given to you to walk with sustainability. Amen? So I want to start out here with a little bit of research, okay? We're talking today about living above the line. It's a power of focus, but it's living above the line. Research tells us that you are what you think. We've talked, probably talked about that a million times in, in Bible studies or whatever. You are what, but research actually uh, determines that. Science is actually caught up with what we've been preaching for so many years. And the Bible, or it says in the research, it says 75 to 98% of mental and physical illnesses come from our thought life. So we, how many know that? That's very important to know. And so scientists are discovering that there are pathways where changes in the human conscious or our thinking produces changes in our brain and body. So we are constantly reacting to the circumstances and events in this life. We're constantly reacting to them. And as this cycle goes on, our brains become shaped in a process that will either send us into a positive or a negative direction. So, a, so the quality of our thinking and choices and our reactions actually determine our brain architecture. That's pretty intense. And so further, if we take a little deeper, research shows that the DNA, our DNA, actually changes shape according to our thoughts. So it's so important. As you think those negative thoughts, like about the week that hasn't happened yet, or as you think about the conversation that you're going to have that actually hasn't happened, but you've already determined what it's going to be, right? Because we have those preconceived things. We worry about what's going to happen, even though it hasn't happened yet, and you don't even know if it's going to happen, but you've already determined that it might happen. So then what that does is it puts you into a place of toxic thinking. It changes your brain wiring into a negative direction, and it throws your body and your mind into stress. So we literally create our own stress by the thoughts and the stories and the conversations that we have in our head. And how many know we do not need any more stress, right? So when you think of Romans 12 too, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it puts a whole new meaning on the importance of changing the way we think to develop the sustainability. Renewing our minds with the promises of God rather than the memories or the predetermined thoughts that we have about what's going to happen next. Amen? You can, you can like say amen, you can say preach it sister, you can give me a high five, whatever, just get like, don't be quiet, okay? I need to know you're with me, this is how I know that you're with me, if you will just uh, talk to me. So everybody talk to me. Thank you. <laughs> it reminds me that you're awake and everything's good. So today what, what I want to talk to you um, a little bit about is our image, um, our lens, and our focus, Okay. And so think about this. When you look in a mirror, what do you see? When you look in a mirror, what do you see? I mean, for reals. Not like what you know the right answer is. 
But when you, when you look in the, in the mirror, write it down. Write it down, what it, in, like if you have a piece of paper or whatever. Write it down or think about it. Make a mental note. What is it that you look, uh, think about when you look in the mirror? What do you see? I spent far too many years of my life looking at myself in the mirror and going, you're not enough. You don't have what it takes. You're not good enough. You, you're not smart enough. You're too simple. I had many things that I told myself. That was my image of myself. So what is it, what is it that you see about you when you look in the mirror when it's just you and the mirror in the bathroom in the morning? What do you see? What do you think about? And that image that we have is the thing that we see in the mirror is it's our image. It is an artifact that depicts or records a visual perception. So you're actually, when you look at yourself, you think those things, you're recording things. You're recording what you're seeing and it's going into your brain and it's changing the DNA of your body. Think about how important it is to think about what we're thinking about. But Genesis, so, so here, here's what I want to show you. Genesis 1.27 says this. On the sixth day, so God created mankind in his own image and in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I love how this is said because God is really trying to hone in that he created us in his image. So here's my second question. How much of what you think or what you wrote down or what you have a mental um, note about lines up with the truth of Genesis 127? How much does that line up? How much are you in alignment with what actually the word of God says about you? That's what you call your lens. How you see, that's what you call your lens. And your lens determines the way you see. And when it's working properly, it's invisible. You can't even see. You can't even see it. But your view is just clear. Your view is just clear. And the word of God in Matthew 6.22 says the eye, or the lens, is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. So it's very important to to understand what our lens is seeing and how we are seeing the world in front of us. So our lens can get clouded by negativity. I will tell you that negativity in this world is running rampant, right? It's the toxic things that are going on, the toxic thoughts that are going through our head, the toxic um, situations that we see. It's like yeast. How many know a little bit of negativity grows like yeast, in our environment or in our minds or in our hearts. And it's really one of Satan's most popular weapons that he uses because negativity will, can easily get your focus in the wrong direction. Negativity does. And so he looks at our life experiences and he causes us to focus in on the negative instead of the positive, like the if you uh, str struggle with abandonment or um, hurt or pain or chaos of life. The enemy will do everything he can to get you to focus on that. And how many know the enemy is there? He comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he knows how to do. He's very good at it, but that's all he knows how to do. And the only way he works is through deception. Because you know that the enemy has no authority over you as a believer, right? But he feel, it feels sometimes like he does because we believe his lies. That's how he gains access into our inner man is that we, he casts out a lie. And if you grab hold of it and take hold of it, then he's gained authority. But if you refuse that lie, 
then he's lost his power. Because God came that he broke the power of sin, all those things that are evil, everything has been broken, and we have authority over that, okay? That wasn't in my notes, just for you. So the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and the Bible says what he does is he comes to steal your salvation. If he can't steal your salvation, he will kill your belief system. He will try to kill your belief system. If he can't do that, he will try then to destroy your effectiveness as a believer. So if he can't get you to walk away from God, he's going to try to get you to doubt and lose your confidence in him. And if he can't get you to lose your confidence, he's going to try to shut you up. That's what he's trying to do. Because he wants to minimize your influence on this, in this world. And so what he does is he works by penetration. We know he's really smart. He's not all-knowing. He's not omnipresent. He's not um, all that, but he's very smart, and he does watch our lives, and he sees how we react to, to things in life, and he works by penetration. So slowly, he's very calculated and very methodical, and his whole scheme is to wear you down, ladies. And so what he does is he infiltrates. He starts to work into your home and into your work environment and relationships and in, even into the church. Come on, somebody. How many know there's some negativity going on and we need to get that out of here in the church with negativity? And what it does is it breaks down. So he'll take situations and he introduces into your situations fear, anxiety, anger, resentment, bitterness, passivity, unbelief, procrastination, all to undermine your view and get you off focus. So that's his plan. We got to know his plan. And so when he causes that weariness in our lives, he causes us to be tired and exhausted and fatigued. And when he's worn you down, his goal is then to come in and to take over your environment and make it one that he can live in. See, he can't live in a believer or he can't even be in the environment of a believer who walks in her faith and walks in confidence and determines the Bible and, and, works, and works the word in her life. He can't be a, around that. So what he does is he tries to get you away from that so then he's comfortable in your environment. And so our lens and our thoughts is very important. For us to focus in even more now in this situation, in this, in this culture, and in our society, it's, it's even more vital that we focus in and we develop that, that strong sustainability in our lives. Um, because your circumstances, ladies, are never the problem. It's your perception of the circumstances that's the problem. So what we're going to do is I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 4, and I want to just talk to you for a minute about living above the line. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm going to read it, starting in verse 7, and this is the NIV. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that, his all, that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We are always carrying around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. 
It is written that I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you um, to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, can I get an amen? Yet inwardly we are being renewed. Praise the Lord. Let's all give the Lord a hand for that. We are, are um, being renewed day by day. For the light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a, in us a, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So Paul here is giving a masterful dissertation. He said a lot right there. He's giving us this dissertation on the difference between the natural existence and the supernatural life. Okay, and he's talking about this earthen vessel, this vessel that is fragile, yet it's chosen. It's inadequate, and yet it's filled, and it's dying, but then it houses life. Makes no sense. It's this treasure in an earthen vessel, and God has chosen this earthen vessel because how many know that the weaker the vessel the greater the opportunity to show forth the glory of God, which is why we are here on this earth to showcase his glory and to showcase who God is to this fallen world, right? And so we are cho uh, God has chosen this frail, wasting away vessel to showcase his um, power and his life on this earth. And inside this vessel, this treasure that we have, is the excellency of his power in the gospel. It, is, it enlightens our mind, this treasure. It convinces our conscience on a daily basis, and it converts our soul. It keeps us into alignment, and all that is God. It's not of us, right? And so Christianity is not the absence of human weakness, ladies, nor is it merely the manifestation of his divine power, but it's the manifestation of his divine power through our human weakness. I don't like it, but that's the way God did it because I'm a control freak. Do I have any sisters in the house? I like to control things, but how many know it's God that is doing the work inside of me and I can't do that? So we have this treasure in jars of clay to showcase the surpassing power so that even though the Bible says we are hard-pressed on every side, we are not crushed. We may be a little confused and perplexed, but we're never in despair. We might even get persecuted, but we are not abandoned by God. We may be struck down even, but we will never be destroyed because we have this treasure in our earthen vessel. Someone say amen. amen. So in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul's explaining this, trying to get it into their heads and into our heads, the difference between the natural and the supernatural. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, it says this, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, this level right here, but what is unseen is eternal. So what I want you to do is I want you to, on your paper, because I know everybody's taking notes, on your paper, I want you to draw a line. Just draw a line right across your paper. And on top, I want you to write unseen. 
And on the, on the below, I want you to write seen. Okay? So unseen on the top is the eternal. It is the lasting. It is the changeless. It is the place that never ceases. It is without beginning or without end. The unseen is unbroken and it's perpetual and it does not vary according to circumstance. The scene underneath is passing and it's fleeting and it's temporary and it is finite in time and it is limited to the now and it is ever changing. Can I get an amen? So in reality, there's no such thing as the line. Okay? The line actually doesn't exist. But what's happening is that all of this, unseen and seen, is hap- happening simultaneously because they coexist. So we have the privilege as believers of living in the unseen world in the midst of the seen as believers. We are spirit and yet we live in a body. So it's that treasure in earthen vessel. We have dual citizenship, don't we? We are citizens of this earth, but we are also citizens of heaven. We are subject to the laws of the land, but how many know that the rule and reign of our inner man happens in the heavenlies, right? And so it's like Jesus, when he was the son of God on this earth, but he was also the son of man. So let me ask you this question. If we are citizens of both kingdoms, which world are you more familiar with? We're talking about sustainability. Which world are you more familiar with? And I know that everyone, we all want to say, well, of course, I'm more familiar with the spiritual, with the supernatural. We all want to be supernatural heroes, right? But are you really? Are you sure? Is your eyes really fixed on Jesus? Is your eyes really fixed on what is in the kingdom of heaven, not on the kingdom of this world? Where is your focus? To fix our eyes means to observe or to discern with the bodily eye, which we know is, again, the window to the soul. It's to be able to fix our eyes means to discover by use or to know by experience. It's to see with the mind's eye or the power of our understanding or to turn your thoughts towards something from one thing to another. Not on what is seen, not on something that is ever-changing or the natural realm or your circumstances, which is chaos and feelings and emotions and everything that goes wrong in this world, but to focus on unseen, which is doesn't change with any given day and is not determined by our circumstance and is not swayed by our feelings and is not driven by our emotions. Come on, somebody. Right? Or by the words of others. Nothing changes in that realm because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in the middle of that verse is this little word. It's but. This little word is but. Now, in the English language, because we all took English, what is the word but? Nobody knows. Right, it's a conjunction. See, you learned your English for today. Conjunction. Does anybody ever remember the, the, the show Schoolhouse Rock? Conjunction, junction, what's your function, right? We're talking about a conjunction here, and now I know there are three conjunctions. There are three of them. There's and, or, and but. Don't you just feel invigorated? I'm just stirring up things from the deep pits of your, lot, of your remembrance today. 
and or but. So the word and means both. The word or means one or the other. The word but negates what comes before. But negates what comes before. So can I just say that as I've traveled and been speaking and looking at the body of Christ, there are way too many Christians that live their life after the but. (laughs) What do I mean by that? It doesn't matter what you say first. We live by what we say after the but. Like this, I really like that Karen Hagen, but... How many know we're really going to know what you think about Karen Hagen after that, right? Believers typically put the wrong thing in the wrong place. We put the God stuff first, and then we put all the situations and the feels after, which then negates the God stuff, ladies. Like this. It sounds like this. I know God is in control, but my situation is crazy, and I don't see him working here. I know that God loves me, but I don't feel it. I know God is my sufficiency, but I don't have what I want or need. I know God works all things together for my good, but I really don't like where this is going. This circumstance is kind of getting out of hand. I know God promises healing, but all I feel is pain and sickness. I know God is calling me to this, but I don't think that I can do it. I know God is faithful, but I'm afraid to step out. I know that God has equipped me, but I don't feel good enough. See, Satan's sheer tactic, ladies, is to focus on the negative, to get us over to focus on to what isn't or what we don't think it is, it should be. And I will tell you this, that Satan doesn't care how much God stuff that you use as long as you put it before the butt. We can declare it all. As long as it's before the butt, he doesn't give a rip what you say because he knows that you live by what's after the butt. You think after the butt, right? So we got to change the way we see. We got to change the way we think. We got to change the way we speak and focus on the unseen. That's what it means to live by the spirit. It's to live by God's Reality, God's absolutes, the kingdom of heaven, the realm of the heavenlies inside of us. The I am, it's the place that is finished, that God has already done the work. It is the place of victory. God is calling us to live in the ultimate reality of heaven on this earth. Amen. See, natural faith doesn't uh, believe in what it cannot see, but supernatural faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, which then brings us to that place of the heavenly realm. So hearing the truth or living in the supernatural faith is literally being convinced in our lives of what God is already convinced of and what he's already done for us. How many know it's we can get free, but we got to stay free. We got to walk with sustainability in what God has done in our lives. So we have to begin to see into the realm that we are not currently focused on in order to develop that sustainability. So we got to fix our eyes, which we need to begin to declare that this stuff isn't going to win over me. I am now going to win over this stuff that's inside in my life. So we got to live in the place that I call the holy butt. 
write that down. <laughs> the holy but. What does the holy but mean? What does it sound like? Well, Jesus said it on the cross. He said, not my will, but yours be done, God. He gave us the example. So in our lives, we say, I feel weak, but God is my strength. I feel, this feels so chaotic right now, but God, you are my peace. I'm so sorrowful right now, but God, I know that you're my comfort and my joy. I'm in pain right now, but God, I know you are my sufficiency and you are more than enough. I know that I am sick, but I know God is my healer. I got more month than I do money. Come on, somebody. But God is my provider. See, fixing our eyes, not on what he does, but on who he is, because ladies, he is your strength. He is your peace. He is your joy and your comfort. He is your healer. He is your provider. And he is more than enough than for anything that you will ever go through in your life. He is our sufficiency. See, ladies, supernatural faith picks you up and moves you forward, which is what we need to be in this life and sustainability in our lives. We have to go from the natural to the realm of the spirit faith that God has already put inside of us, allowing God to move through you. See, the situation then may not have changed, but you've changed then in your situation. So I want to encourage you today to put the God stuff after the but. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the eternal one. He's the one that has the answer. Walk after the but in the God stuff, and you will be able to walk in sustainability. You will be able to eliminate that and negativity because that's a daily thing in our lives, isn't it? We have to manage that. We have to overcome it every single day. And so I hope that that encouraged you today and get, got you on the right track. Amen? So I know we've got some questions, but I just want to pray over you before we go to that place. Lord, I thank you, Father, for your word, God, that it is so healing to us, God. And it is so, um, it is everything to us. Lord, we can't even put into words all that you've provided, all that you've given, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to really go deep into our spirits and understand this principle of living our life, God, in the, in the unseen, not the seen, in the eternal, not the natural, God. As we're on this earth so that we can make an impact, Lord, for the kingdom of God in our world, Lord, not only in our lives, but in our world. And we will be that have that ability to showcase your glory, God, which is what you've called us to do, to showcase your power, to showcase your um, ability on this earth, God. And we give you all the praise, and we thank you that you're faithful to work it out in us in Jesus' name. Amen.